0: Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 135, our German dividend stocks watch list. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Dividend Talk is the place to be for insights, analysis, unsorted advice on how to make the most of your money through dividends with our own unique European flavor. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and join our community on Facebook at Dividend Talk. See you on the inside.
1: Hey, European DJ, how are you, buddy? Honestly, I'm quite exhausted after a week of work. Uh, it's been really, really busy, and I believe it will be next week equally busy. On top of that, all the earnings this week and massive dividend hikes, so uh, I'm looking forward for the weekend. I think that's the right thing to say. Tell me, how about you? It's been a long couple of weeks with, with earnings, and we're still we're still only
0: touching some European companies, so you need to, you need to rest up um it's been quite a quite a few weeks but it's been a, it's been a good week for me uh work is work Um looking forward to this show actually we we're diving into some of our german dividend stocks so we're going to try and do this with i mean we're europeans aren't we so we have lots and lots of different countries around so we're going to try and pick maybe once a month maybe once every two months if people like this try and pick some stocks in in certain countries so germany was our first first one so i'm looking forward to seeing your picks and some of mine um but before that let's talk about the news of the week i did mention we are still in earnings season i know we've done two episodes of it so to do a third one on the trap would have been quite exhausting i think but um one company stood out for me this week i don't know if you've got time to to look at any any earnings but have you heard of ingredient before Ticker symbol no. I-N-G-R. Um, really, really nice company. Um, some good dividend growth, and they are seeing some tailwinds now. So they—they they have. I think you like. I think you like them. They have like the specialities um, segment that's really grown, really strong. From they're trying to reduce the amount of sugar content. Um, obviously, corn uh, is is gone a little bit expensive, but without that, you've seen that they can pass on this cost to customers and and some so some some really nice growth um and it's it's one on my watch list and honestly i'm i'm thinking about pulling the trigger on these guys this month
1: nice nice one so you should definitely also maybe write a post about it or something like that and then uh, i'll read it up as well my head at the moment is just spinning with all the company names that i've been reading uh, and pa- seeing passing by over the last two three weeks because europe is huge right I, I mean we're talking even about the german stocks here and i did a dump of all the tickers on the um on the german stock exchange and are more than 3000 of course the majority of these are international listed company also with a listing in 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 germany but it just tells you how many stocks there exist in this world right so i'm looking forward for that uh, no pressure
0: well well you know i'm trying to to work on youtube as well so i'll probably do a youtube video might be quicker and faster and and i have to hone my skills on that as well and the only way to to do that is to push out some more content so um we'll see i i won't do it this week i know i have one plan for this week but maybe next week or the week after i might do ingredient
1: Yeah, Um, so people should definitely follow you on the Dividend Talk YouTube, right? It's a YouTube that we uh, created like at the beginning of the podcast because we were streaming some of the podcast shows also on YouTube. We noticed that less pickup because of the format not matching the channel. But now you started putting a lot of YouTube shorts with quick updates and uh, some videos. You did a portfolio review. So, guys, if you're not... uh, subscribe chat to Derek, then um uh, you know look at the show notes here. We'll make sure that we put the link in the description.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the the podcast is not always suited to it so I'll try and maybe even rehash some of the content with a little bit more visual. But look I'm I'm playing with it. We'll see we'll see how it goes. I I'm I'm new to it all. It's um it's a steep learning curve but we'll we'll see. Um, but moving on, Disney. <laughs> I, I was laughing when I seen this this week, because last week we got a listener's question around Disney, and I remember their long-term plan as a dividend investor was to hold on to Disney. And um, we didn't quite laugh, but I think our our feedback was dividend, uh Disney is not a dividend company. I would not hold them if you're looking for dividends. And then within seven days, boom, they are going to reinstate their dividends so we got that completely (laughs) completely wrong um but i don't know how i feel about that i I think management seems a little bit lost i know i know that i know disney streaming is not as strong as they'd hoped and i know that they're trying to push that but a lot of people are going back to netflix and and all all that kind of channel so i think it's a bit of a strange move personally i don't think it was needed um, i don't think they should have caught it in the first place but now that they caught it i don't think they needed to bring it back um so yeah it's a bit of a strange one but uh, yeah hey look we we don't get everything right on this show and, and this was one we
1: certainly got wrong last week yeah and i'm surprised by that because bob Iger stepped back in right and um you know and, and by the way by the way what you said is streaming i can see it now but with my kids as well they they don't stick to the uh, to disney channel disney plus they like watching the old stuff but the new stuff they go naturally for to netflix i think it's more tailored towards them and i think disney still needs to get their content production back to the level where it was yeah so they are used to blockbusters but disney plus is not enough for those few blockbusters per year right we we watch maybe five to ten hours uh, television all with the kids so they need to produce that much content continuously for these generations I think that's where it feels like they are behind compared to Netflix. And I also noticed that today was the news that uh, Bob Iger mentioned that everything is on the table at the moment for Hulu because they earn a majority stake in Hulu as well. So I think Bob Iger is really cleaning up the house there, at least trying to. But there are just two things that I understand why don't they yet uh, have streaming video? Uh, on sports i mean on sports like espn because they started with some 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 second grade things but now we have in europe via play and i'm watching premier league in poland on the va- via play and then also formula 1 will be on via play yes i think they're entirely missing the boat there over here in europe when it comes to sports uh, uh, distribution and secondly i don't understand therefore really why they come back with the dis- disney dividend i don't see it's needed Maybe they're, again, doing it for the retirees or something like that, but I don't see a need for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The share price has been under pressure, hasn't it? Maybe they think this will bring back all the the dividend growth investors that, that they lost, but I think you make some good points, particularly around ESPN. I think I personally would believe that has more growth prospects than... Disney Plus, I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. They don't produce enough content. We have short attention spans and the generation below us have even shorter attention spans and they constantly want new and new and shiny things and new content. And I mean, it's it's great. We have a lot of nostalgia towards Disney programs, but how many times are you going to sit down and watch them? You're, you're yeah. not going to sit down there every week even to, to watch them. So I think ESPN is probably a better option for them. But hey, look let's let's go personally i i'm not getting back in on disney uh,
1: they had their chance with me they blew it and and i'm gone i've i've the same uh maybe in 10 years from now again but for now i'm staying away yeah
0: and we're going to talk to one uh, talk about one of microsoft's competitors which is google and they tried to come out with their demo on ai i think it was called brad what kind of a name is brad for for an ai Bart. A bard, 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 bard. That's even worse.
1: <laughs> that's how I would call my ugly brother.
0: <laughs> it, it, it. Yeah, it sounds pretty close to a to a a name that's not quite <laughs> nice over here as well. So, but but I mean, <laughs> they, it it was a disaster, wasn't it? It was a real disaster for them.
1: Yeah, they, they lost hundred billion on a day in share and, and, and market cap, and you need to know. It's because of competition from microsoft and open ai right so microsoft also started implementing things in bing here and we will get a really new uh, search experience as a as a tryout i switched this week entirely from google chrome to to microsoft edge and bing just to try it out and i must say i'm liking it already a lot um the search For me like i I search a lot on company info and such right Uh, that's what i use google a lot for but on bing now on the right side i get already a lot of data presented to me via the ai which actually pretty much enjoys so i wouldn't be surprised if i'm going to stick to this uh, search engine bing and just the fact that i'm saying this is already something if you would ask me a year ago i would have never imagined saying yeah. so and i think this is where really such an adela is really for me like he deserves a statue because he started with this whole mantra of let's let's not be the old microsoft right and push everyone windows to the trove he started really looking at the ecosystem fixing problems for developers um for the whole de- for the whole developers community and with that they plug in azure and that that has been their growth driver now AP- open ai is valued at 29 billion dollar i believe microsoft wants to yeah. invest about 10 billion dollar and Google is losing $100 billion on a on a day in market cap just because a demo of Bart uh, went wrong. It shows you that we are having a search AI war going on right now.
0: Yeah, you you t- you tweeted um, about trying to use Bing, and I said, never. you'll never get me to, to do that. Because anytime I've ever used Bing, you type in what you're looking for, and you, you never find it. I actually only ever use Bing to Google, to go to Google. but just before the show typed in something two two quick things one was uh, build me a meal plan and it gives you like as you said on the side detailed like ai based one and then it gives you all the search results so it looks looks like it can actually compete with google which is something nobody would have assumed 12 months ago so it'll, it'll be interesting to see and and as as we said all your all your pcs come built with Microsoft Edge, it'll be faster, it'll be optimized for it. So it's not much to actually transfer from Google Chrome to to Edge and stuff. So it'll be be interesting to see
1: how this goes. AI AI is really going to change the landscape here. Yeah, and and they say one bird doesn't make a summer yet, right? So we need to realize that as well, uh, of course, here. But the fact that it's giving this first impression, for me, is really mind-blowing. And if they really build up from here, it tells you what mode really means. Yeah, because often people say like, ah, Google has a white mode, yeah, search business, advertising business. But if this can happen, uh, let's say overnight, then it has a limited mode. Yeah, there there are just certain switching costs, but Microsoft might be able to blow it away. Let's see, it's really early day. Uh, It's in a hype now. Maybe it uh, dies as quick as it uh, arrived, but for now it looks promising. Okay,
0: let's talk about some dividend hikes and cuts this week. Um, we've had, had quite a few. Um, public Storage hiked their dividend by fifty percent. Um, um, I know, I know. I mean, I think that's the first time since two thousand sixteen, which gives them a five-year cagr of about eight point four. Which sometimes can be a little bit misleading when you when you look at it like that. Um, waste Management announced a seven point seven percent dividend hike. Uh, waste management have been popping up quite a bit on Twitter and and social media yeah. lately, so it's it's well followed and it's a nice a nice hike for investors. Row Price, um, you have a, a video and a post about these guys. We know we we both like them. They raised by a disappointing one point seven. I think it was. I think the general consensus was this was. Expected uh, nobody expected the double digits that was was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I actually actually thought it would be a little bit higher. I was hoping for around the four or five percent, um but it was yeah. It uh, the was same one point one point seven uh, VF Corporation cut its dividend by a whopping forty one percent. I don't think that was too much of a surprise either. Let's be honest. No,
1: I did a bit of a long fret on that on uh, social media, right? And I, I'm I found the dividend not safe, so. I was not surprised simply save dividends by the way had uh, still a high score and they didn't see the dividend cut coming but credits to them they they really said after that like okay we made a mistake here da da, and uh, we'll we'll take our learnings and that's what i like with those services no bullshit, honest builds credibility right yeah i mean look
0: you you, you can't be right all the time you can look at all the data you can look at the history exactly exactly the management there is a little bit rudderless at the at the minute and they're yeah. going through a bit of a transition. So to to give credit, I did tease I did tease them on, on Twitter only because we got a comment before about <laughs> we should be embarrassed with the amount of dividend cuts we had. But um to be fair to that service you can't you can't hundred percent call these. So accept exactly. um, kudos to them. Um, L'Oreal from France hiked their dividend by 25%
1: wow <laughs> yeah this is like we, we spoke enough about it right uh, lipstick yeah it's just, yeah I mean, it, it, you know when there's a crisis the women need lipstick you know to look good and when it's summer they want to have lipstick to look good exactly so, yeah.
0: lipstick sales as 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 we can see yeah. um adidas i don't think they cut it over but they forecasted some pretty pretty bleak outlooks yeah. but uh tool group from sweden it's quite popular within our own community it's been spoke about quite a bit they cut its dividend by 29 percent. i don't think that was expected
1: no no I, I also analyzed them and they look pretty okay and specifically their growth strategies so they they don't have a reliable dividend historically speaking but I would have ex I wouldn't have expected a twenty nine percent dividend based on the metrics. So the must have, I have not read into the result, but there must have happened something there quite quickly. I'll do that later, maybe this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, and then also um Pepsi ten percent. They they raised the dividend from four point six dollar to five point oh six, ten percent. However, they are having now a Payout rates on a free cash flow of more than 100%. So and and plus a buyback announced. I'm, while I enjoy the 10% hike, I'm not so happy with this. I rather would have seen, just the three or four uh, percent. Everyone would have understood. And secondly, don't do buybacks. You know, pay down your debt. Yeah. So I'm a bit in disagreement here with management. And Unilever kept their
0: dividend flat. Actually, we forgot to mention them. Um, I kind of, ex- I don't know if I expected it to be flat. I-, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting a huge increase of anything. And we know that they're they're under pressure. So it'll be interesting to see what the new CEO, what his policy is going to be going forward. Yeah. I have to I have to say it's a, a little bit concerning. I, I'm not quite sure where the dividend goes goes from here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one I have was actually sent in from Leg Collector the Dividend Days on Twitter. And it's about, I'm going to try and pronounce this, okay, but it's Unipol Gruppo. And I believe they are an Italian insurance company, I believe. Um, they increased their dividend by 23%, which gives them a 7.5% dividend yield
1: that's an amazing yield right so sounds like a company uh, i need to look up look up one day cool so
0: we might move on then to our stock picks from germany we pick we pick three each um and what i'll do is i might just tell you a little bit about how i picked my company so Sure. There's, there's no real in-depth. I didn't go through 200 annual reports because it would have took me absolutely weeks. So I, I, I created a simple process for this. Okay, So the first one is I wanted the five-year average dividend growth rate plus its current yield to be above 8%, which is typically what I want to see anyway. And that that actually got rid of some companies like Siemens, uh, Siemens Healthineers are in there. And Henkel. I don't know if you're aware of Henkel, but they're like yeah. a consumer stable. So I got rid of companies like that, which I, I was expecting Siemens to at least get past my first round. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, then I went to, because uh, was a lot of companies to get through. So I, tr- I tried to whittle it down. So I said I'd do the same, but over a 10 year period. Um, and then disrejected companies like Fresenius Medical Care and what's your own deutsche bank as well okay yeah and the last one then is i just removed because i was still left with a few companies i removed all lower yields so i picked like it because i had so many i think i picked three percent as my my low point Um typically yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't do that but just for the purpose i did for this i did and it got rid of companies like puma um which was, which is interesting so that left me with about six or seven companies i had munich re was there, which I expected. Alliance was there, which I also expected. Um Volkswagen, BMW were there. Fascinius was there. Um but I eliminated those those companies purely on the basis I expected you to pick Munich already in Alliance, right? And then Volkswagen and BMW I said oh, car manufacturers have particularly German car manufacturers have such a shitty reputation. Yeah. Um I'm getting rid of these. And it left me with about four or five and then I just picked I picked three i think i picked the highest dividend yields from them but um, it's
1: still interesting that volkswagen uh over the last 10 years met your screening criteria
0: volkswagen and bmw and i have to say i was tempted i was tempted to put bmw in here as well because remember we spoke about the self-driving car and the, yeah, yeah. The, um, what what they're doing over in over in america so it was, i was i was i was thinking about doing it but i honestly just say, look it was just in if, do you know what? There was no real uh, thought behind it. It was like, I need to cut down companies. This is an easy reason. So I'm cutting these, <laughs> cutting these companies yeah, out of it. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, but that left me with my first company, which is Bass F. Um, and Bass F happened to be one of the top companies in my portfolio. Not by choice. Uh, it is a little bit by choice, but uh, I used to do a lot of options, as we said. And then when I got assigned these guys, I actually said, do you know what? I'll hold on to them. Um, And in turn, they've turned out to be, I think, top 3 or 4% in in my portfolio. Relatively small portfolio in size, given given what I have. But just to give a little bit of background about BASF, they are a multinational chemical company, headquartered, obviously, in Germany, founded in 1865. And actually, what's interesting to note is the three companies that I've picked, they are all founded in either the 1800s and one of them is actually in in the 1400s. So that really whole solid companies that have been around for for years uh, which is good uh bass F operate in over 80 countries worldwide higher one hundred seventeen thousand people and they're in six main segments so you've got chemicals materials industrial solutions surface technologies nutritional and care and agricultural solutions it's actually one of the companies i cover on shore dividend as well so i i can't give i can't give too much away about about my thoughts because i I write and and get paid for it but what i will say about about them is that they are quite cyclical which we know it's it's an industrial company they also they have cut their dividend back in 2010 29 or 2010 but since then they've really put a focus on dividends and they've they've put this into all their online when you go to investor relations and you go going through their annual reports they're really saying now we know we cut a dividend in the past but we're actually valuing that now and our policy is to increase this dividend every year so that's actually our policy now which is, is something that i like and they try and do that they try and create value through this concept they call Verbond. and basically all that is is that trying to produce higher value-added products um, chemicals particularly in their new plants and in china and so on while driving costs down so that's that's how they try and do it um as i said there's a lot of macroeconomics that come into a company like this we know the ukraine war, war was around that had that had an effect but once the, once the price of oil is high this this company tends to do tends to do okay and um, which is why we've seen them perform well over the last two years why are they an attractive investment well they tell you this on their website. So they tell you their unique veribond concept gives them a competitive advantage based on integrated sites. Um industry leading innovative platform. I think that's just plain generic stuff that everyone says that doesn't really tell me anything. Um, they are focusing on Asia, which is something I do like. And and they, they do say this a lot. So we can see this with the with the plants that they're building in China. They're really tackling Asia and I, I see some some good growth there. Um, and obviously, they're trying to cut down their carbon management, which is going to appeal to our ESG investors. Um, looking at how they passed my screener, they have a 6.43% starting yield, which is quite high and quite attractive. And couple that then with a five year annual, annualized growth rate of 2.53. And a ten-year annualized growth rate of three. So they don't, they don't typically grow their dividend three percent a year. That's what you can nearly bank on. But it's that high starting yield, I suppose, that gives you gives you that that return.
1: Um, looking I, at, I the would final... like to, I would like what? to correct you, by the way, because in the last ten years they didn't cut the dividend, right? So they had increased the dividend every year, except for 2020 when they had a flat uh, dividend yeah they caught it back in 2010 i think i said they, they did ah, okay it before. sorry yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. no I,
0: I i i'm going to listen back but i'm nearly sure that they caught it in 2010 but since then since yeah. 2011 they have yeah, yeah. really okay. focused on on that um and they, they have kept it flat their depth is quite quite good cash flow is quite good as well i think the dividend is safe it is quite cyclical and they have caught it before which is the worry but i think they renewed focus on it has me kind of confident this company and it's it's um a company that I'm I'm happy to hold actually.
1: Yeah and, and the share price went really down of course because of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. Um they didn't know what the energy prices would do to for their facilities right to to produce the, the materials that they need to produce and also the the impact of their Russian holdings, right? But I think yeah. so far they've been dealing with that really, really well and I'm really eager actually to just learn what what their earnings will be in the end. Yeah. Uh yeah. Not sure when they will be released should be anytime 20, soon. 24th of February. I'm I'm waiting on that yeah. one as so. well. Yeah. Okay. A well, nice pick. I mean, I'm like you. I'm quite long on uh Bus f and happy shareholder here. Um I didn't buy more in the low 30s because I owned already quite a large position. So yeah. although you know it was really tempting to buy more it was really tempting but i've got my roles that i need to stick to so i i mean
0: I, I i have them at a, at a nice price i think my yield is closer to 7.5 on these guys and then with the, a three percent growth rate which is which is quite a quite a good retirement nice. retirement nice for me yeah. yeah so it's it's interesting but I, I am certainly chewing it well i have to because because i write about these guys but um I'm I can't wait to tune in and see how they've performed through through the full year, but given their last three quarters, I'm I'm expecting I'm expecting a three percent increase in, yeah. in growth, expected increase in earnings. Um
1: so I think three and yeah. a half euro it will be from three forty to three fifty if I look yeah, at their tradition
0: ten cents. Yeah. That that sounds reasonable. I do have a fair value, and this is my fair value, do not base it on me, yeah. um, of around sixty sixty euro. So they are trading at in around 49 to 50 at the moment so there's
1: a little bit of upside there as well i hope nice 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 good 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 so thank you for buzz um you know you, you mentioned already a little bit like uh you know edgi Allianz and such but i actually didn't pick Allianz this show because i also did my research i just made a dump of all the stocks uh, looked at which companies have been not cutting their dividend in the last 10 years so i did something similar but i, I didn't look at just at the kegger the compound annual growth i looked at like literally no cut in the entire 10 years and the first company that i picked out is actually Hornbach holding if uh, for our listeners that are outside of let's say um, germany or the nordics or netherlands czech switzerland and austria because that's where they are located it's like Carrefour, uh, sorry, is it Carrefour? No, it's uh, Castorama, the French version. So this is um, uh, your your German Home Depot. And what I really like about this company, because I've been shopping there already since uh, a teenager, let's say, and it, it it's, it's, has always been the best kind of, um, uh, how is it, do-it-yourself business for me. You get everything there, even when you even the commercials it's like for real men so you really get that feeling also if you when you're in the shops there and i think it's the the biggest or the largest do-it-yourself store chain in 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 europe um what's probably good to know is that 37 and half percent is still owned by the Hornbach family and this is also what i like i always like when there is a large family ownership because you usually have more like long term perspective than with those companies compared to the uh, ceo that's really looking at the quarterly basis uh, and quarterly performance now if you then look at hornbach itself uh, it currently um, has a market cap i believe or, or at least a um, yeah i believe market cap of 1.3 billion but a, let's say a small market cap they have um, and what they've been doing just their sales in the, la- in, the in the first 9 months last year the first request last year because we don't have the full year earnings yet was up around 10.4 percent compared to the the or 6.7 percent compared to the year before at the uh, is it 5 billion sales now and also what i really like is their, that their online sales is really rapidly growing at the moment and this is something also really good because i think this is where there's a l- lot of future with these stores as well because you know, if you, if you order it, it saves you your own car and damaging half your car to put the woodwork in there or something like that. I just don't know how well the operating margins uh, are. I didn't do a full analysis on Hornbach, so I kept kind of to the screening, screening and initial analysis. Their outlook for for this year is um, you know low double digit percentage decline in adjusted EBIT due to inflationary and cost pressures, and you know that's maybe also why there was a big share price drop in in june last year i i couldn't really uh, figure out why it was uh, i hadn't got too much time to totally look into it but that's what happened um, last year so i think some share all this might have been scared there at that time but yeah the business seems to be growing uh, a little bit of decline than in ebit which i think is normal with inflation the question is how much they can pass on going forward and how much they can recover from that um but there's a lot to like i like their balance sheet they have like a long-term debt of i believe 1.5 billion but then shareholders equity of almost 2 billion so for me that's a really healthy balance sheet for such a company right these are slow growing businesses they usually are a bit more with debt than um, uh, other kind of uh, companies so yeah there's a there's a lot to like there what maybe is not too much to like is their dividend policy because what i don't like if is if they are really explicit in their payout rates uh, in their dividend policy when they connect it to the payout ratio so what they say the company aims for a payout ratio 30 percent based on the consolidated net income Um, and to ensure that the dividend at least matches the previous year's level so that's kind of the escape clause that they still have but what it resulted to is that in, in in the year um 2016 2017 2018 2019 and 2020 it paid one and a half euro in dividend just the last two years it went from one and a half to two euro and then to two euro for 40 in um in 2022 but also for instance i mentioned from 2016 also in 2015 they were paying 77 cents so they had almost more than 100 percent hike in uh in 2016 so it's the nice thing is at least in the last 10 years, it didn't cut the dividend. I didn't trail it longer back. It might be that it's 20 years or not. But you get it at the moment for 2.96% dividend yield and a payout ratio of 19%. So this sounds really unreal, but it is because the price to earnings is six and a half at the moment. But they have a five year compound uh, annual growth rate for the dividend of 10%. So, with that being said, um I feel like I need to do a deeper analysis on this. I like their business and at a PE of six and a half. It makes me a little bit skeptical. Like, what's going on here? So if there's a listener that has studied Hornbach more, please ping me and, and let me know. Text me on Twitter, please let me know on Facebook. It might save me some work. Um, but it definitely has my curiosity.
0: Yeah, you have to remember these types of companies, home Home Depots high inflation, and then we've, we've come off the back of, we've had supply chain issues and, and the cost associated with shipping. And it's always gonna affect these. So it's, it's, it's kind of a tough, tough macro environment for this type of company, but it's definitely um, interesting that they haven't cut the dividend in 10 or so years. I always think though, 30% dividend policy is too low. I always think that's too low. Give it 30 to 50. Give yourself some wiggle room. I mean, they, yeah. they can afford to do it, but have uh, no interest in interesting, interesting pick and, and I'm, happy, I'm happy you didn't go with the obvious aliens. <laughs> so tell
1: uh, me,
0: uh, what's, what's your next one? Uh, the next one that I chose was Deutsche Post, um, which was quite interesting for me because I never knew that these are basically DHL. Uh, you see you see the DHL vans all over the place. They're even here in in Little Old Ireland. Um and I, I never made the the connection that it was Deutsche Post. So that, that was that was quite interesting. But for those that don't know, uh, maybe they're listening in, in Ireland like me, Deutsche Post, also known as DHL Group, are a multinational courier delivery service, pretty much like UPS in the United States and um, they have a couple of different operating divisions dhn express which i'm aware of they have a supply chain and e-commerce which is something that they're really trying to push and i think that's where they see see some growth and um, they operate which i i think is crazy but they operate in over 220 countries worldwide so they really are a, a global company so they, they do challenge the likes of of ups um they are so I, what, what I did like about them actually is they their, their dividend policy is is quite clear. Um, they are paying out forty to sixty percent in net profits as a general rule, and that's something that they stick to over the last. I unlike you, I went back ten years, um, no further, and they literally stick to it within that range. And they have increased or kept it steady within within the last ten years. Um, looking at their forward PE ratio, it's trading in around thirteen. But if i look at ups uh, which is united parcel service they're trading closer to 17 so you can see there's probably a little bit more value on the on deutsche post there's also a higher starting yield um, we have close to four percent whereas uh, ups is 3.5 and the dividend growth is actually quite strong as well and um, looking at an annualized five year dividend growth of 11.3 and a 10 year of, of 990 and they had a huge increase um last year as well what i can see what i can see from the revenue is that it's growing quite quite steadily and then we see a rapid increase in 2021 and they're expected to post around 94 billion in the night i think the ninth march is the the annual report while that has gone up rapidly so has debt so that's that's the one thing that i would i would look at see i i don't really understand why i didn't look too in depth but i i do know they're making lots of acquisitions they're doing. Lots of deals. i I seen one with, with um, a Polish courier as well. So they're doing a deal to to break into Poland or to, to expand their territory there. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, but in terms of cash flow and earnings, which they tell you, earnings is what they use as, as your dividend metric. So it's important to watch that here. But that has been growing quite nicely. Um, and I have to say, actually, I, w- I was flicking through the annual report. And it is a pleasure to read actually i was saying it to you before the show reading through it they give clear calculations of everything that they use everything is transparent um from what i've seen there was no real bullshit everything was to the point um but it, it was laid out really well so one of the, the nicer ones but it, an interesting pick i'm always hesitant with postal services but i think these are probably trying to be a little bit more than that and they're they're really trying to get into the digitalization a lot more and automation, particularly in e-commerce. So it's interesting to see, but a solid history, um, solid, solid dividend history. They've been around for, as I said, since the 1800s, even even longer, I think. Um, and it's a, a good good German company.
1: Nice one, nice one. Yeah, so what you mentioned about maybe Hornbach, I have this a little bit with Deutsche Post that it's really hard for me to invest in these kinds of postal services or package delivery companies, really thin margins. There's only one company in the world that I could invest in, in this case is UPS, because they seem to be really excellent on this, but I can't even invest in FedEx. I looked at it several times, so I I, I, I see the brand. They drive a lot uh, around here, the buses. They actually are one of the service providers for the packages they l- deliver to my door. And, uh, it's just a really difficult business, I think, to operate in. And that makes it maybe even more uh, astonishing that they've been doing so well with the dividends uh, here. But a uh, tough one for me, tough one.
0: Mar- margins was was a good one to bring up, actually, because I had, I had a note to bring that up. Yeah. They are Razor, they are Razor 10 um you're looking at 17% whereas yeah. ups are nearly double that they're up around 30 yeah. uh, 20 uh, 29 so they are operating at a at a at tight level and it, it doesn't take a lot to to see these go off course but i mean the, the brand is there and as, as as a european brand i think it's it's quite strong dhl as you said is yeah. ev- everybody knows that yellow van with the with the red, red yeah. Van
1: yeah 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 and, good, so it's it's good 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 so then the next one is another small cap from me and it is Cancom se ticker symbol cok c-o-k <laughs> not the other one <laughs> um it's a small cap but uh, i yeah it popped up on my screener right so, so again i didn't do deep analysis but what i liked about it and now i see where i made the mistake with hornbark because it's actually Cancom that has the 1.3 billion um but um look it's a german provider of it infrastructure and services and um it has two big business segments cloud solutions and it solutions and it's founded in 1992 headquartered in munich and has about 4000 employees in the la- latest report it was around 3, 3.7 uh, 3700 so it is a small market cap in my opinion uh, so investors always should be aware about that because there might be a little bit less liquidity at times when it's needed um, and also they are covered less by analysts yeah so that's i think important to know um but for me it's it's really a actually it's a it's a really straightforward company anyone who works in it understands their business model so they do some consulting architecture system integration they 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 resell also hard and software and and then, with of course the cloud movement, they're also moving a lot uh, uh, to the cloud. And that's also where their growth strategy is at the moment. As an example, the revenue from IT solutions was about a billion in 2021 and 238 million in uh, cloud, cloud solutions. What is nice is that 50% of their revenue is recurring, recurring. Yeah, and this is really important in these kinds of um, uh, businesses so their revenue has been growing over the last decade with about 11 percent which is a really good growth you cannot say this from a lot of companies Uh, their ebitda has been growing with 17 percent and they have an ebitda margin of around 10 percent what i also like is is that they really invest in their uh, people because five percent of their profit goes to training is invested in uh, uh, training and they also donate half a percent of their profit uh, as well, uh, you know, to, to watch charities and such. Um, if you look at really the biggest business that is growing, or let's say like that, in the first nine months, revenue was, by the way, down by a 1% approximately, let's say like that, but their cloud solutions were growing 21%. So uh, you could see that in the normal IT solutions, the decline. Of let's say 40 million was totally covered by a five times smaller business unit which was was which was making up for this 40 million and and this tells me that um cloud solutions are really quickly growing and if they continue to grow at this one it might become a meaningful really meaningful business in two three years down the down the road their forecast looks good um a little bit lower than 2021 for the entire year of 2022 but maybe this is where the interesting fact comes uh, it's trading at a share price of 32 uh, 32 euros the dividend is a euro however their payout is 85 so they have a high payout uh, so that's probably good to know but the dividend yield of three percent and a five-year dividend growth rate annualized of 31 percent so the company still feels a little bit on the high end in the price because their price to earnings is a 31 which is of course five times more than what i mentioned about hornbach so all in all i think it's really an interesting company they have a long uh, at least already uh, let's say for the last decade a really nice dividend growth i believe or uh, they were already for instance let's say like this i believe in 2010 they were paying eight euro cents per share then in 2015 to 2017, 25 euro cents per share. And now a euro. So let's say in the last five years, it it uh, went four times higher than it, than it used to be. So their growth is, uh, the dividend growth has been good, but at the cost of the payout ratio. So let's see what the annual results will say anytime soon and whether this will be in a better position.
0: Yeah, I noticed one, the, the, the payout ratio is... A a little bit high, um, but yeah, it's in- interesting, interesting company of it. And my my last pick, okay, now I'll be honest, okay, if I was to run my actual real sc- screeners, this would this would never really pass it, I don't think, but um, on my, my loose screeners, it, it actually looks like a, a little interesting company. It's called Heidelberg Cement. Um, And I think you'll get from the name of what, what they do. They're basically a, a building company that sells cement Aggregates and ready mix concretes, and it always surprises me that companies like this. I mean, I find this a, a company that, on the surface, seems like it's easy to replicate, um, but these guys are in sixty countries worldwide and generating nineteen, nearly twenty billion in revenue. I mean, I, I find I find that fascinating that that you could do it from from such a company. Um, as I said, it's it's a really simple business model. They pre-made cement aggregates uh, not pre-made cement that that's pretty much everything that they do um what i will say is that their dividend history although the annualized growth rate was strong which is why they which is why they passed my screen, they have cut the dividend so anytime that there's a downturn so you can see 2020 with the coronavirus dividend cut um when we had the financial crisis dividend cut i would expect the same if we if we hit this recession that people are predicting I would expect them to cut the dividend again. But what they do do is they do grow back even quicker, straight after. So as soon as they return to growth, they will pay back that dividend. So I would actually be more interested in these after a dividend growth, when we're in the middle of a recession on the way out of it, because that's when these guys will start to be a little bit more interesting. Um, I was trying to find some growth drivers. I'm always skeptical around companies like this. How did they grow? What what is their growth? And pretty much, it is by expanding. So as I said, they're in sixty countries. They try and expand that to to more to more countries. That's that's where they go. They do talk about innovation and trying to, uh, I mean, try to make new materials. But how much innovation can you do in cement? I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um. But in, in terms of numbers, I mean. The revenue has been quite steady for the last five years. You're looking at 2017. It was 17 billion. It's now 19, 20 billion expected this year. Um, free cash flow is a little bit choppy. Uh, their debt levels is is quite quite manageable, actually. Um, and their earnings per share is steadily going up. So on paper, it's not too bad. It's just that dividend history I, I don't like. And I would 100%, 100% expect these to cut in shape of a recession. So any any economic fears I would not invest in a company like this. But with a four, is it four yeah 3.79% starting yield and a five years five year annualized growth rate of 8.45 you get a decent return from from
1: these guys. Yeah. Nice one. Nice pick and you know sometimes these boring businesses can do really well. I believe you have one in Ireland as well. Is it CRH or something like that?
0: C-R-H-A. yeah, Yeah, material,
1: exactly. You know yeah so nice one nice and you know there's so much sand in the desert so this is kind of like a business that can last for a very long time very long time
0: i mean you'll, you'll always need cement. i think you will you need to build roads you need to build houses unless they come up with something completely different but i, I just i just find it really strange how you can't have a company in each, co- like why, why does not Ireland or England have their own co- company doing this? Or like, yeah, how how are they? So how are they how are they generate twenty
1: billion in revenue from from Germany? Yeah. It's it's crazy. Well, look, hey, then let's go to the final company of uh, today, and I won't spend too much time on it. But how can we have a show about German dividend stocks without having the goat, the greatest of all times, Munich RE? Come on, we're talking here about what is it? 52 years without a dividend cut. Yeah, so mainly growth, sometimes a flat year, like I believe in 2019 or 2020. It needs to be in here, right? So for the people that don't know Munich RE, it's in the business of um, reinsurance. Uh, they have five segments, let's say on a high level, property casualty reinsurance, life and health reinsurance, and then they have their ergo business with life and health, property casualty as well, and international Together, they make about 67 billion. That's the expectation for 2022. The ergo business is expected to make around 19 billion, and the reinsurance business around 48 billion. Um, Like I said, the company has been growing dividends for 52 years. Um, The first nine months looked pretty good, I would say. And we can see that in the share price because the share price currently is a whopping 320 euros. And we were talking about the show when we did the podcast two years ago on Munich RE, I believe all show analysis. It was around 170 euros at the time. So it doubled since then for such a boring business in the end. A lot of this came from multiple expansion because insurance stocks were just really trading at a low valuation before the whole inflation cycle and the interest rate hikes uh, started to happen. I did a video about it at the start of last year, like if there's one sector undervalued, it's insurance. I can see it now with all the insurance stocks that blew up. Uh, so I should have doubled down more into insurance at the time. Uh, hey, but the dividend at the moment of 11 euros, so we will see soon know what it will be more. They're anticipating in general like a 5% long-term dividend growth so, maybe it will be like, what is it, 1150 or 12 euro, because they are doing pretty well at the moment. Payout ratio of 55%. You still can get it for a dividend yield of 3.4% with a five year kegger of 5%. Price to earnings at the moment 16. Not too expensive, but I do think that you can get insurance companies typically for like an 11 or a 12 PE over time. So, I think you do pay a bit more for it than needed. But on the other hand, if you're purely looking at dividend growth and you you look at passive income investing hey take the 3.4 percent, let's say and you know it will with a company like munich re will 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 just grow unless there's really an a, a apocalypse or really in black swan event but 52 years is not not something that they will likely give up uh, anytime soon no and i really want to go back and listen to that episode of the podcast because i remember
0: we were both bullish on them. i can't remember the price point i had set at the maybe i said it in the podcast but i know i didn't buy them at the time and i've been kicking kicking myself ever since um really really top top class company and she you said you were you were bullish at the time on all insurance stocks but i think this was your number number one pick at the time um, and it's it's done done quite well so i i'm still. So, i'm not surprised i didn't think we'd get through a show without naming one of the one of the big guns and um, i mean yeah. i think i said it if we if we were to really pick allianz would have been there siemens would have been there even siemens held and probably yeah would have would have been up there but it's um nice to give some variety for variety sometimes as well
1: yeah so maybe full disclosure to everyone i'm long munich re i'm long allianz i'm long siemens i'm long bus f and i will really pay close attention to the upcoming earnings report of hornbach to see how they are performing and whether i want to initiate a small position or not yes
0: okay we have a portfolio review from jason um, who sent in his portfolio of about 30 stocks um i maybe run through the top five or six and then maybe get your your thoughts on on it and um, so the first position is Enbridge, ticker symbol E-N-B. Second is T. Rowe Price, ticker symbol T-R-O. Then we've got Kinder Morgan, ticker symbol K-M-I. And then to make up the top five, ABV, or ABV, sorry, ticker A-B-B-V, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's a really nice um, uh, portfolio. I think there are a lot of high yield is there in the top 10, like, I mean, not like six, 7%, but like 3% plus. Yeah. Um, I'm not such a fan of Kinder Morgan. I still remember that the CEO said in 2016 or 2015 like, oh, the dividend is safe. And look at me, how great I am with my dividend policy. And, uh, you know, our our business is like a toll gate model we, we put in the pipelines and uh, you know the oil and the gas is something that will flow and we we, we anyway ask a price and then uh, the 2016 oil crisis happened and they had to cut the dividends so uh he lost my trust so i wouldn't invest in kind of morgan for that reason anymore but the other ones look very solid uh, companies i'm just missing a little bit more of the growth companies there's heavy in energy uh, in his top 10 of of uh, how is it actual income that's i guess similar to me uh, to be fair but i'm missing here a little bit the uh, higher growth companies uh, anyway if i look enti- in, into the entire list i can see them a little bit more towards the bottom of the list so maybe he's just building them up and i would say yeah, probably good to continue focusing a little bit on that one. At least that you don't miss out on the opportunities.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I was thinking it was very, very heavy in energy, which I'm I'm not quite surprised. There's a, ni- a nice mix overall. I mean, we've got some good growth companies here. We've got Texas Instruments there. We've got APD. We've got Microsoft. Apple's in there. Um, so I, I do like the mix he has. He's got companies like Procter & Gamble, Leggett & Pratt are in there. Uh, Bristol Myers are in there, McDonald's um, are in there as well. Uh, the only thing I see is got one one REIT as well, uh, which is Realty Income. Maybe that's that's a sector that you could maybe look to diversify in more. Um, but I think it's a really really strong portfolio. Uh, yeah. You're right; it's a lot more higher yielding towards the top end, and um, which is adding a lot more to your your annual income. Um, energy might be hitting. I mean might be close to a top of a cycle over the next year or two. So it might be worth trying to build out some of the higher growth. Um, But I think overall, I think it's a pretty, pretty good portfolio. There's 33 companies there. There's maybe one or two that I might not have myself. Um, Maybe US Bancorp, maybe might be one. But I think overall, it's a a decent decent portfolio.
1: Definitely. Good,
0: Good job. Okay, some listeners' questions. Um, Dazzy Mike, what percentage of your portfolios is invested in European stocks, and what percentage in US stocks?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a really, really interesting question because it's not easy to answer. Um, what I can tell you is more like from, uh, I guess, from a, is it from a currency point of view? I should say it. Yeah. So I think it is around. 50 percent maybe 52 48 percent that i have in euro uh no in european stocks which includes uh britland um uh, sorry united K- kingdom cool i i've got
0: 48.2 percent in u.s and 40.5 in eu and then the rest of it is made up in um cefs and I have US growth there as well. So it's probably it's probably closer to 50% US and about 40% in in, in European nice.
1: stocks. Nice, nice. Yeah.
0: Um, MH79, do you have an opinion on tal uh, Talanx? I don't know what the ticker symbol is for that. Um they have a 50% stake in Hanover RE and increased the dividend by 25% this year
1: yeah i I looked into it and it just doesn't pass my screener criteria so that's that's why i'm already not so interested into it
0: yeah i think the the ticker symbol is tlx and it's also in the insurance comp uh, in the insurance sector so it's competing with the likes of munich re and Allianz, which we've we've discussed if i was to go into insurance those are the two companies I'd be looking at, and 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 not telling To be to be fair, as you said, it hasn't passed any. It didn't pass my low screener, and it didn't pass you know, probably a little bit more in depth screener either. So, um, it wouldn't be on on my watch list. Um, Tuk Umbo has asked us um the Hapag Lloyd dividend increase and thoughts on Colgate. Um, yeah, your thoughts on Colgate. Yeah
1: so maybe the hapagloid dividend increase i think we're talking about shipping so this is a business that i totally uh, business line that i totally am not interested in i think you have been having a laugh affair with uh, zim when you were doing the option trading so uh Tucumbo, I, I can't say anything meanif- meaningful about that because i'm I'm not interested in that uh, kind of business then the second one Colg- colgate yeah, that's that's a really good company generally, right? So I mean it's it's been always a bit on my watch list, but uh it's one of those companies that always feels a bit expensive. But I'm I'm using their products at home, Colgate, uh or, or L-, L Max in that case, but I don't know if that's also from Colgate Pyleaf, never checked it actually. So Colgate definitely at the right price. I would like to would like to have it, but at this moment in time, uh, not yet.
0: So so I looked up um I looked up Hapag Lloyd, ticker symbol H L A G. And what I see, I don't know if this is correct. This again I'm using kyphon here. Um annualized growth rate over three years, five hundred and fifteen percent, one year nine hundred percent. The dividend is is about thirty-five euro. If it's anything like like Z I M, which which I try to dividend capture on yes you'll get 35 euro into your pocket but the share price dropped that and a little bit more as well so you you'll lose it somewhere along the line but that is that is a huge huge amount it gives him about a 13% dividend yield as well um but like edgi i'm I'm not familiar with the company what they do um so not not for me um lars has asked us what do you need to see in for to make it a screaming buy
1: uh good management and return to
0: growth yeah I mean, I mean it's a management there and the business is really complicated as well isn't it they're just split into yeah. all different segments and it's, it's sometimes it's hard to get a grasp on it and um, i did know we got something in facebook management there i read it i didn't really understand what they were trying to say i think they're i think they're saying they're going to split the businesses and and try and simplify the portfolio a little bit, but I really think management need to step up here.
1: Yeah, it was a really difficult language, so I asked someone to tr- translate it for me, and they said like, are ah, they're shifting kind of the owners stru- ownership structure into stock structure or something like that, so that they don't need to put the entire seniors medical care anymore in there and consume them in their annual results, something like that, so that we get a more cleaner insight on uh, on on the real numbers of Fresenius. So, look management needs to needs to be better it's a shame it's an iconic uh, company i i really like the history of this company but i couldn't keep it in my portfolio um, without being managed
0: yeah it it is management like from a loose screener it would would have passed my screener earlier with with the kgars and the the dividend yield it also would pass my initial screener as well in terms of revenue growth free cash flow growth um earnings per share growth and even their debt level is management so it looks, it has the hallmarks of it. If management can get the act together, they could really grow this company. It's, it's in a really good market. We know they're in healthcare, they cover a wide base within the healthcare um, segment. So there's potential there, but I just think management need to simplify the business Make it easier for investors to understand what they're actually investing in, and, and try and give us a little bit more growth and, and over there. I think I still actually I thought I sold them. I, I didn't. I have an order in to sell them. They didn't reach the price. I think I still own like mm. ten shares of this company. So, um, but let's let's see how they go. But for me, for me to invest in these again at the buy more shares, something has to change with management. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rzmf what do you think about Bayer now that ceo is now finally gone
1: well first of all uh i'm so happy that this was a Werner bauman i'm so happy that he's gone what uh yeah i i don't even know how to call it but it's one of the worst ceos that i've had in my portfolio and maybe john uh, stinky is even worse from uh, at&t maybe still but if you put, it would definitely be in the top three. I mean, he was, he was at the time there when they were, um, I said, doing the Monsanto deal. was it 65 billion or something like that? Now, so many write-offs and then and, and I said, reservations for the, the liability and the lawsuits around roundup, still not settled. Couldn't get a proper deal, neither by the Supreme Court. It's all in the hands of juries. They have a plan. But this plan is not rock solid so and that's also the issue now with the the new ceo right will the new ceo be able to uh to fix this yeah that's the real question because as long as this monsanto issue with roundup is not settled I, it's hard to invest in buyer it, it's really like um, like a heavy weight on the shoulders of this giant and it's a pity because their pharma business is doing pretty well their food business is uh, doing pretty well it's just this roundup lawsuit
0: yeah i i, I get the excitement with the ceo going i, I understand but I, my initial reaction was it doesn't mean i want to buy them yet It it actually like it might be a good time because they're so depressed and it but it is a risk because monsanto is still there what can the ceo do with it i don't know we don't know yet but it's it's certainly a huge challenge and probably one he's going into um knowing that he has to sort this out but i can't I just, I, I don't think I could take that risk until, until we yeah. start to see some bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think that's, and, and by that time it might be too late. The share price might be after catching up.
1: Yeah, and and what is interesting, they chose an American CEO, so maybe this, this is also a reason it might help actually here with the, with the how's it, American regulators. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, Ivan Mitchell, do you think that Berkshire Hathaway will ever pay a dividend? not as long as buffett is alive that was going to be exactly my answer exact same one for as mm-hmm. long as buffett is around they won't i can see them paying a dividend when he's gone yeah and, and which might be any day <laughs> um <laughs> yeah a,
1: he's an old guy right he's in the 90s <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. very more of it but <laughs> we'll move yeah. on um, Bas, Bas Orlings, Orlings. Uh, do you have any opinions about fund share UCITS Belgars? Uh, it's uh, a dip- dividend fund.
1: Bellegers belong a dividend fund, so yeah, was probably good to know. Bellegers <laughs> belong is like um, I, I remember it at least from the magazines about uh, investing. So it's it's kind of um, looking after Dutch investors and they create their own dividend fund. Um, they have a total expense ratio of one percent which is quite high but honestly Buzz, i really need to look into it so i i i want to withhold from on my opinion right now but it's nice actually that they created their own uh uh, fund i'm a bit surprised so which is a positive surprise so i'll look into it and maybe on twitter let you know what i think about it but generally when i look at etfs what i want to see is dividend growth yeah because i invest for growing dividends so if dividend etfs are not paying me a growing dividend then then yeah it can have everything in the name but i'm not interested then exactly
0: <laughs> it, it, it's no point in having it in, in the name it needs to do it in, in practice but it, I'm, I'm like you know, I, I can't even pronounce it let alone invest in it so um, I let you do the research on, on this one. Um, Jacob, what are your thoughts on Allianz? Um, I think we gave some, some yeah. of them above. But...
1: Yeah, good business. Uh, I think around fair value. Um, but I'm not buying now at these prices. I would wait for another dip again. Yeah. Um, Matt Barakar has said,
0: obviously, we're all here for dividends, but it'd be great to discuss share buybacks. Maybe a bit of a basic explanation of them.
1: Oh, yeah. Effectively, they are buying back their own shares, right? To reduce the share count so that the earnings per share will increase. This is really beneficial to management because they often get paid in their compensation with uh, options. So if they are able to buy back shares, then they are growing the earnings per share. And with that, um, they have more chance on getting their options exercised, which will bring the average CEO several millions uh, with a little bit of luck. So I think that's the whole incentive for management to buy back shares. Then there is also generally a tax advantage compared to dividends. So that might also be um, uh, a pro for for doing buybacks. The issue that I just have is with buybacks, it is kind of timing. There are companies that buy, buy back shares continuously and they have been... If you then take, for instance, the dividends plus the buybacks There are companies just quite some of the big companies that spend more than their free cash flow with this and we just spoke about pepsi pepsi is one of those so what they are really doing is they are leveraging up to buy back the shares so they are borrowing money to buy back shares and they were doing that of course massively at a zero interest uh, environment thinking like you know we'll buy back if we need to pay let's say a four percent dividend on every share and we pay zero percent to the bank hey, let's borrow the money and uh, cancel those 4% yield that we need to pay every time, right, as well. So I, I understand that, but it's really um, kind of a yield play or, or an interest rate arbitrage. But I don't like that they've been massively buying back shares uh, at the cost of uh, a weaker balance sheet and they need stronger balance sheets in, this, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a time of crisis. And you know what happens then? They will cut the dividend. So... Yeah yeah and and you need to buy shares when you think the comp when you think your own company's undervalued not like automatically they they shouldn't dollar cost average like that with themselves
0: yeah i mean uh, a lot of companies use it as a way to manipulate their earnings per share and, and show yeah. that that number is growing when it's not organically grown it's grown because you're reducing the share exactly not i'm not opposed to to share buybacks there's a time and a place for them Um, i just like you i feel like a strong balance sheet and the value
1: are, are really important yeah. for me for instance hpq buying back shares at a four or five PE. I mean makes, makes yeah, sense. then you go to the bank yeah <laughs> then you go to the bank to borrow money as long as you stay within uh, the, the healthy balance sheet line microsoft is doing it really nicely out of the free cash flow so although it's been a bit on the expensive side but at least you know that they're still you know investing so they're just so cash rich that they are doing at least something with it so they can get away with it there's one of those exceptions where i approve kind of this automatic uh, buying back cool um matthias has asked us um is
0: oin ticker symbol e i n 3 uh, the german stanley black and decker is it a good investment considering your metrics
1: and strategy so so first of all ein hell that sounds like a hell yeah like like from the devil imagine buying such kind of equipment that is called hell in your hands and holding it i, I don't know it uh, doesn't feel well I, I would be afraid cutting off my fingers or something like that <laughs> But look, uh, a simple, a PE ratio of 9.5 and a dividend yield of 1.5%. So the, just the dividend yield doesn't make it attractive for me enough. And the reason for that is also it has a market cap of 630 million, which is, again, a small cap. So I expect a bit more there. Um, that's the reason why I'm not so much interested in this to even look at it further because it's not passing my screener criteria. But Matthias, please, you know if you feel like uh, this is the answer you don't buy and you you have a strong investment uh, case and a strong bull case I'm, I'm interested so feel free to yeah feel free to let me know
0: cool and then we have two questions to finish uh, from simon um, the first one is when the glorious day arrives that you are financially free do you think you will actually be able to stop dividend investing and start burning through the dividends as you cover your cost of living
1: yeah really interesting here i i i yine yes no um i think for instance i would still be earning some money on as a side hustle um um because from one side or maybe i even start work, keep working yeah and maybe in just to less extent and i would just use all that money to continue dividend investing uh it's a passion it's a hobby so i can't see myself stopping but it would make all the difference how much money i have at my disposal in the end i i want to live off the dividends so that will have a priority and everything that's left will be reinvested in in my portfolio that's how i look at it
0: yeah and if if my long term my long-term plan with my wife comes to fruition it won't be just dividend income there'll obviously be maybe property as well there'll be other other forms of income to to help supplement that so yeah, it's good it's a good question um, i'll worry about that when when i get there but at the moment uh, i'm just focused on building my income as much as possible and we'll see where we end up but it's 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 mad though isn't it it'll be hard to just shut off You're so used to it, maybe 10, 15, 20 years investing every month, every month, you get to a point, it would be hard to actually go, I'm not doing this anymore. Anyway, um, the second question is many companies discussed on the show are very mature. He appreciates a sense of security associated with this, but he worries about the growth part. Um, So it's different growth investing maybe the, he wants a discussion around focused focused on smaller companies that maybe have patchy but growing dividends over time so the uk is probably prime example for this they've got a lot of small to to medium cap companies that pay dividends quite quite good in growing them but can be patchy um what
1: are your thoughts on this well yeah patchy dividends i typically exclude um for the simple reason that uh, just because of the former question, imagine you're living off your dividends and you have all these patchy uh, dividend stocks in there, and suddenly you you lose 20% of your income. And yep, hey, darling, uh, take an Uber, uh, take your car and go go ride people around in your Uber to 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 you know compensate the the missing 20%. So that's not how I envision it. So that's why they often drop off for me. But um, it sounds like we need the Kleine Capitalist uh, again on our show and, and, and also to satisfy Simon a little bit because uh, he is the master of uh, all these like low-yield, high-growth companies with sometimes a patchy dividend. I think, Simon, that will resonate a lot with you. But I also think that today with um, the, the two, share, two stocks that I shared, that there's an example. So we will try to... And because we mentioned that ourselves already, we will try to look a little bit out for other stocks as well that we haven't discussed so much. The only, I said, um, the only notion here is probably good to know is that we don't have a lot of knowledge on them. So we can't really go further than the initial screening and the initial analysis. And it would take us much more time to then do a deep dive. So, like today, you will hear us more talking then on the screener level, the initial analysis level. But I hope that uh, uh, actually inspired you also a little bit today. And one of those examples is, of, of course, Hornbach.
0: Yeah, I, I I can understand the question because if you look at even look at at the way my screener was built for today's stocks, I had yield and and five year cagr. In theory, you could have a company that paid a good dividend in year one, caught it in year two, and grew at three, four, and five, and have a decent cagr over the five years. So. I, I can see how, how it works in, in theory. And we also saw it, I think, it was a public storage public storage increase to 50%, even though it's the first time since 2016, and now they have a decent eight percent cargo based on it. So I understand the con concept and it on paper it, it might make sense. But then if I think about it, when I'm in that scenario and that company cuts their dividend, you have they're cutting it for a reason, first of all. They're they're in trouble that year. You don't know if it's going to return next year, the year after, or are they going to return it 10 years later? And that's that's my problem with that. Um, I know the UK is quite strong with with small caps. And I think we did an actual show around small cap companies with Russ, yes. if I remember correctly. Um and I think the UK has some really good companies. I think it's a great discussion. It's probably one for Twitter or not for Twitter, for Facebook to get involved in and, and really, really discuss this. But I think my problem would be although it makes sense on paper to look at the growth rate and focus on the growth part cutting the dividend psychologically i don't know when it's going to come back which would likely lead me to sell the company and that's and then i'd I'd end up missing if they if they bring it back again i'll end up missing like something similar to Tangar, i missed out on on that they cut the dividend i sold they increased the dividend again so it's more psychology but it makes sense and i think it would be a good discussion
1: yeah and if you think about the dividend and then the growth part that for me makes more case for low yielders like l'oreal yeah that that have a low yield like one point five percent but are really in a in a rapid growth uh, uh stage at the moment yeah i've i've
0: been I've been really thinking about this the last the last week or two and i've i've done a column in my tracker for that as well, just yield and growth so i want to be i want to be making about eight to ten percent a year that's that's my goal. Um, and whether that's from high yield low growth or low yield high growth that's 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 my aim but it's um it's a good it's a good discussion i think to have
1: definitely definitely hey with that we're coming to the end of the show uh, derek thank you so much again and thank you also to all the listeners for all these questions and let us also know whether you enjoy this like taking a country once in a while so we are aiming to this once a month so now with the germany Maybe next time we can do Netherlands, France or Austria or whatever company also you would like us to to think Sweden, Norway. Um, let us know. We hope you enjoyed it and uh, see you next time.
0: See you all soon. Remember, both of us at Dividend Talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education. We are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Hence, this is not investment advice. Although we do our best, we can not promise that the information discussed is always correct, nor appropriate for you or anybody else. We always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices. As we always say, you can't borrow conviction from others. Last but not least, by listening to our podcast, you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications, financial or otherwise, that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast.